0: I am going to read um, the word for this morning and it comes from the book of John chapter 20 verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Realized one of the problems with having so many tall people in church, you really make the ushers' jobs harder, because if they're trying to spot chairs, they can't has nothing to do with Resurrection Sunday, but I was noticing the ushers had a bear of a time, and it's because all you tall people. (laughs) We've been looking at the questions that um, people ask Jesus, and there are a number of things that are encouraging about studying, especially the first four books of the New Testament, and noticing the questions that people ask Jesus. And one of the things that's encouraging is Jesus always answered. Sometimes he would tweak his answer to answer a more profound question than one asked, but he always answered. And the other thing that is wonderful about it is we get to know his personality. Have you ever met a celebrity, maybe an author or a sports figure, and you you know you, maybe you prepared what you were going to say because you're kind of a dork like me, and you had a question, but the question was a little bit of a dodge because really what's happening is whatever you're asking, you're wondering. Are they really who, like, I think they are on TV, or are they really like their books? Are they really like that? And I think when we notice the questions of Jesus, we learn something about his personality and how loving and how gentle and how patient he was. And even the times that he was harsh, we learn something about his character. What we're shifting to for, the last couple, for this week and the next couple of weeks is the questions that Jesus asks after he rose from the dead. You know, people who are worshipers of God used to worship on Friday night and Saturday morning. Everything changed the day that we commemorate today. Every Sunday is a Resurrection Sunday. I've been testing those of you that have been coming to church the last couple of weeks saying, He is risen. risen You all passed. You're doing great. And it's true every Sunday, and that's why Christians worship on Sunday. And Jesus asked questions of his followers And I think we have something to learn about us and about him from them. So here we have Mary asking a couple of questions, an angel asking questions, and Jesus asking Mary some questions. I don't know if you've studied the Bible very much, if you have trouble keeping up with all the Marys, you know there are a bunch of Josephs, and there are a bunch of Marys. There are at least three in the New Testament. There's Mary that's Jesus' mom, there's Mary of Bethany, and there's Mary Magdalene. And this is Mary Magdalene. And that's gonna be important in just a second. And she's grieving and her grief turns into joy. And the reason it's important for us to notice that is, first of all, it happened. This is evidence recorded by a witness that has been passed along to us. Our faith is about what we believe. It is certainly about the morals that we believe to be true. It is about hope for the future, and it's also based upon events that happened in history. And as we see Mary's... Grief turn into joy, hopefully it reminds us that that's our joy. For those of us that profess faith in Jesus, that realize that his resurrection is our hope, not only for the future, not only for today, but even for the healing of our past. So I get to point out something weird. Let's just, let's be weird. In Luke chapter 8, one of the most, uh, one of the things we know most clearly about Mary Magdalene is that she was healed of a number of evil spirits. And the reason that's important is, as we notice her, the first witness of the resurrection, we're noticing something about her past, and something about her present, and something about her future all at the same time. And I'm concerned that you think Christianity is about ritual, and rituals are helpful to us. They're practices for reminding our soul of what we believe, but that's not all it is. I'm nervous that you think that Christianity is about belief. And it is, but that belief is integrated with our emotions and with our thoughts and with our life and with our past and with our present and with our future. See, I think that um, most of us are stuck somewhere right now. Stuck a little bit in our marriage, stuck in our relationship, stuck with the anxiety that wakes us up in the middle of the night, and it's been that way for a long time. And the hope of Easter is certainly Jesus vanquishing the power of sin and death that you have beautifully sang about this morning. It's also confidence about today. It's also sorting out the pain and the shame and the regrets from our past. Which is why I point out that Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. This is in a section of scripture where they're pointing out people in addition to the twelve disciples who were following Jesus. She's the first witness of the resurrection and she's kind to the annoying gardener. Did you feel the jolt in the story as Meg read it? So it's this beautiful story of resurrection and there are two angels sitting there and Jesus is there and this is her second time to the tomb so she checked before and none of these beings were there. And the first thing that happens is the angels talk to her, and she kind of talks back to them, maybe argumentatively. You think she was a little snippy? I think she's there to grieve. She had been there once before, and I think she's there to grieve, and she's a little annoyed. Then Jesus asks her a question, and she thinks he's the gardener in the midst of this beautiful, profound story where the first witness of the resurrection is learning that her grief is gonna turn into joy and hope that will never let her go, she mistakes her Lord for a gardener. Most of the time in scripture, when someone interacts with an angel, one of the first things that has to happen is the angel has to say to them, fear not. Now how come that doesn't happen here? I think it's because she's grieving. And you notice when Jesus asked her the question, she has a response, right? Jesus asked her, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. How was she gonna do that? Have you thought about that? It's one of the things I noticed this week. I've been studying the text for a couple of weeks because you deserve a prepared sermon. What was her plan? Did she have a donkey? Was she gonna drag him? Was she really strong, and we just don't know that? Was she going to enlist help? And this is why I think she was grieving. I think she didn't want to see anybody else there right now. I think she was going to sit and and weep and pray. And there were these angels that just weren't having it, and Jesus was there. A couple of years ago, um, my first dog, Ron, I like human names for dogs, died. And he had been very sick, and so I took him to the vet, to have him put down. I'm still emotional about it. Still surprised at the emotion. Some of you that are dog people, you're so with me right now. And others are like, "Am I at church? Is the pastor? <laughs> is the pastor talking about his dog?" Yeah. And I'm in the back of my truck, and I'm holding my dog, and I'm waiting for the vet to come out. And people kept stopping to talk to me to comfort me that I didn't know. And I'm just, I'm sobbing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I understand what you're trying to do. You could just go on inside. I just wanted to be alone with Ron, for a couple minutes. I think that's why Mary, in a much, much, much more profound way, I think she wanted to be alone in her grief. And so she didn't recognize the angels, and she didn't recognize Jesus. Now, another thing that we have to point out, because because the text is, is sufficient, and we pay attention to it, I believe that Jesus allowed people to understand who he was in his risen body. It's not that his followers didn't recognize him because they weren't close to him, it's that he looked different. And so some of the power that he has in his resurrected state is to reveal who he is to people. We'll see this over and over over the next couple of weeks as we unpack his questions for them. And I wanna remind us of one more thing before we get into I wanna, something that I already said, but I wanna say it a little more strongly before we talk a a little more about Mary's story and her reaction to Jesus and how it models for us how our faith becomes joy. This is evidence that this happened. This text, if you have a Bible in your hands or even on your phone, it's textual evidence of historical events that happened that people recorded and talked to each other about. Did you know that we can trace back from 2019 all the way back to the first century, people that witnessed these things and then people that wrote them down. Papias, Aristion, John the Elder. Those are the second generation after the disciples who knew the disciples and heard them talk about Jesus. And I know you're not gonna Google those people and I know you don't care that I just said Papias and Aristion or Irenaeus and Eusebius, that's the third generation. But I'm saying them not to impress you though, Maybe it's impressive. I'm just kidding. But to remind you that this faith and joy and way, this religion, is not something separate from history. There is evidence, especially through the text, of men and women who saw the risen Christ. And the funniest thing about this textual evidence is, Mary explained to John, I thought he was the gardener. How many times did John have her retell the story? And they laughed in a good way about it. In the midst of this incredibly interesting story in that, we've not seen anyone ever be resurrected, so this is a brand new idea to human history, is this incredibly human moment, which reminds us that there's evidence for what we believe. The first witness of the resurrection is kind to the annoying gardener before seeing that it was Jesus. And you sense the emotion, can't you? Mary's in grief and she is struggling. She's arguing with the angels and with Jesus. And then he says her name, Mary. He gives her the ability to see that it's him that it's Jesus in his resurrected state. Mary's following of Jesus was anything but a disconnected ritual in her life. Rituals were important to her, I'm certain. Her beliefs were important to her, and yet her emotions were integrated in what she believed, in both her grief and now her grief turning into joy. Mary, who's passed was healed by Jesus. Mary, whose present was consumed by him, and Mary, whose future was secure because of him and his love. And this is where I wonder if you think any of this is relevant to your life. And I'm nervous that you don't see it. Even though, sometime in the past week, you got really angry. And anger is part of being a human being and part of being a Christian. But, you got a little more angry than the situation might have dictated. I mean, not you people, but somebody did, right? Or maybe something that happened in your past that was shameful, either your fault or not, still bothers you. You wake up at night and you're thinking about it, and it's been 25 years. And you're afraid to tell somebody because you think they might make fun of you because it doesn't sound like a big deal, even though if you told them, they'd probably say, gosh, that was a big deal. There's something about your future that you're legitimately nervous about. And listen, you come by that fear honestly. And the Christian life, the way of following Jesus, speaks into our yesterday and today and our future. The power of the resurrection is that we get to go to heaven and we get to be with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. And its healing power transcends that. That past event or relationship that you feel stuck in. The Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, already is healing. What you're nervous about on Monday... Following Christ gives us strength and confidence that doesn't remove legitimate fear, but he is with us in that, and we take those next steps. And the future that makes you nervous, and it is legitimate nervousness, the Holy Spirit is there for you in that. Also, Winston Churchill is one of my favorite historical figures. I'll keep it short, those of you that don't like Winston Churchill. And one of the reasons he did not—he was not interested in Christianity is... Whoever he heard talk about it, I don't know if his friends or pastors, and maybe the pastors were amazing, all he heard about was heaven. And it sounded irrelevant to him. And what we know about Mary from earlier in the Gospels, what we know about Mary here, and the way Jesus attends to her in his resurrected state, tells us it is the very definition of relevant to your whole life. And to mine So I'm afraid that you're stuck And I'm afraid you came to church because it's Easter And I want you to leave Knowing that the Holy Spirit Has power over your past And today And your future And I want to encourage you To lean into that truth and that power, like Mary did, engaging her grief and her joy and her past. She had to tell somebody that that's what Jesus healed her from so that they could know. How do you do that? Prayer. Sounds so trite. You're totally shocked, right, that the pastor would encourage you to pray? Pray. But pray like a psalmist. Have you gone through the psalms? Do you know how comfortable they are talking about events in their past that shamed them? And enemies that they have today that make them really mad? And things in the future they're legitimately worried about? Learn to pray that way. Learn to talk with a trusted friend. And some of you don't have trusted friends. And that's what the church is here for. And we are warty. But we are a spiritual community. Like lots of warts what I meant. I don't know if that was a good use of language or rhetoric lean into that healing in community and in prayer (laughs) I um, play basketball with a group of guys in Simsbury and um, on Friday the second that the game ended one of the guys who runs it said well now all the pressure's on Matt because they know I'm a preacher which they utilize to say all sorts of awkward things Such as, there's a sermon in that one if I make a shot. Because it's rare, it's fine. (laughs) And I didn't say this out loud because they wouldn't have listened to me, but the pressure's not on me at all. Though it feels like it with all of you looking at me. (laughs) The pressure's on the Holy Spirit, who's fine with it. Listen to what Jesus tells Mary to say to the disciples. My Father and your Father. My God and your God. No pressure on me. Because Jesus did all of the work to heal your past and to give you strength today and to secure your future and give you the strength to step into it with your fear and with him. My father and your father, that's a healed heart. Some of you are not jiving with that language and that's an indication of the need we have for healing. My God and your God. Jesus' work restores our relationship with the father which is the deepest need that we have. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, untangles our past, interprets it, heals it, gives us strength for today, has already secured our future, comes alongside us and gives us confidence in that. So I'm a little nervous that you're stuck, but I'm not, because God is good. And I believe you're going to Lean in to the Holy Spirit's healing work in your past. Lean into understanding today and your role as an agent of his, as a lover of him and neighbor. And even lean into the frightening future knowing that he's good and in fully in control. So I'm not nervous because there's no pressure on me. And God, who loves you, sent his son. Accomplishing all of the work to heal our hearts and to restore us in Jesus, and He has left us with the Holy Spirit who will never leave us or forsake us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we realize your great love for us. You draw us to worship, which is part of our healing. Jesus, as you give us eyes and ears of faith to hear you call us by name, as you called Mary by name. That is part of our healing, as we learn to worship you. Holy Spirit, we believe that you are with us and that you'll never leave or forsake us. Help us to believe that more deeply this morning and to lean into your healing work. Amen.